Happy Freaky Friday from the Podcast Daily. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, and I'm Austin Ward. And it is time to take Freaky Friday to the next level. We're going to get meta, and we're going to talk about freaks. The freakiest mm. athletes that you saw on day one of training camp. Go, Berm. Rapid fire. Sonny Styles. Okay. Oh, come on. i got to stop letting him go first. Yeah. That's on me. That's on me, yeah, America. You know what's coming. I apologize. He's, he's just very different. And yeah. I, I'm going to say this, and this might sound like I'm, I'm just – you know, pulling at things that aren't there. Number six sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get him in something more intimidating. You want like a, you want what do you want one? him to be? In? I want I don't know. Um, I want him in like eleven looks pretty good on uh, another freak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Just not six. I, I think like nine. Like, there's no nine on defense, right? Not that I can think of. I think he'd look better in nine. Maybe. Um, I, I just don't think six is in. Was he six in high school? Uh, no, he wore number three. Oh, three looked cool. Yeah, but it's just it's just not intimidating enough for what he does on the field. What about like a fifty-four? Nah, that's okay. an ugly number. Six just isn't it. Okay, for a guy who is clearly a freak, who's going to end up on like the list from the athletic and everyone else, like he needs to have something that represents freaky. Freaky, okay. Mm. But I don't. All right. Well, off to a great start. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I, sh- yeah. maybe I should have gone this way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were a few guys who caught my attention. Um, I think I might start with Carnell Tate. And I, like when we've talked about him and how good of a spring he had, it always came with the caveat of, like, they're really good at receiver. It's going to be hard for him to play. And the more we get to watch him, the less I believe that. Um, he is really fluid for a kid of, of that sort of size and, and build. And it's a, it's a trait, I think, of Brian Hartline's receivers that – there's just like not a lot of wasted movement with the guys who are the best ones. And, and I think you see that from Carnell and he's really strong at the point of attack and can go up and get a 50, 50 ball. If he needs to, can, can track a ball, I think as well as anyone. So like everything that we saw in the spring, if you were hoping for a continuation, I, I thought we saw that on the first day of practice. And I don't know, I have a really hard time seeing a kid like that, not finding some way to help the offense this year. I went over to watch uh, some defensive line drills early on and they all had their back turn. They're, you know, going through, you know, over the bags and underneath the whatever airplane hanger screen fan. I don't know what to call it. Um, and the line of defensive tackles went kind of like whoop, whoop, whoop. And I don't remember that height and weight and strength combo. You had Taiwan Malone and Hero Canoe and then uh, Jason Moore, right? Yeah. Uh, all three of those guys were right in a row. And I was like, you made this comment on Thursday, Berman, Snappy Jays. Like, they look like a Georgia defense. Those are massive physical presences. They're freaky. And I was thinking about the days and like, just like, remember when Robert Landers used to be playing in the middle of the defensive line? Like, love you, BB. Love BB. Love uh, all of his insight and and his motor. But I mean, these dudes are like seven inches taller than him (laughs) and 30, 40 pounds. And they were still moving. Yeah. It was impressive. But it was just last year that you have Teron Vincent in the middle. Yeah. Even the guys like Ty Hamilton returning, like Ty Hamilton's a big kid. He's six foot four, three hundred pounds, and then you have now six five, three ten in, in Malone, six six, three twenty in, in Jason Moore, uh, and, and here at six five, three oh five. Like Caden McDonald at six two, three thirty five. Like these are monsters, and, and like we've talked a lot about Larry Johnson uh, on this show and on others in the last couple of years, and how the defensive line maybe hasn't been as good as it had been when you have 
Well, guess what? When you don't have Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or Chase Young, your defensive line is not going to be as good, mm-hmm. right? That's true. But you can help the edges by having really badass dudes in the middle, and they have them on this mm-hmm. roster more than they've had at any point. Yeah, I think when when Tyreek Williams left, uh, checked out of practice pretty early on on Thursday, and then the, you went right to Taiwan Malone, it was like, ooh, that, that looks like a really impressive – move there and then you can rotate in some of these guys behind if need be but you know that, that's not to take anything away from ty hamilton it's just when you're talking about the guys who immediately catch your eye and the physical development or in moore's case showing up absolutely ready to go uh, that that was that caught my attention because i think when we watched the defensive tackles in spring and larry johnson would say well i think there's a lot of depth there and like really there's only these three guys that you could pro- project yeah. really playing that's not the case now. And I think that the competition will be really interesting to watch there because Ryan Day seems intent on paring down this rotation. You go back and, and listen to his comments on Wednesday that the best players are prepared and training to play the most amount of snaps and that they need to make that impact over the course of a game. So I know what that means for JT Tuamolau and, and Jack Sawyer, potentially, maybe Kenyatta Jackson. But if that, if that also is going to apply to Mike Hall and whoever is next to him, not sure what that means for that snap count there because it could get a lot more competitive. Yeah, I think that it's probably more competitive than I would have assumed. Like, my call is my call, but that second spot, we talked about like Ty Hamilton's consistency is probably his best attribute, and um, it served him really well last year. He's a good player, but as Berm said earlier in the week, like the ceiling is probably not quite as high as a Ty Malone or probably even even if the freshman, Jason Moore and Katie McDonald. Not to say that they're ready now, but I think they can push maybe Ty and vice versa to, to get the best out of everybody. And then it's a question of how... I guess expansive that rotation gets. I think, you know, I, if you have four or five who are really good, I think you can find a way to do that yeah. and do it the right way. It's just a matter of going to get there. I don't think that rotation is like uh, even excessive rotation is bad if the players you're rotating in are as good as the right. players you're rotating off. Right. And the problem a year ago was that the guys who were coming into the game in place of Jacks in, in place of JT Tumaloa, for example, or Michael Hall. But they're not as productive, and therefore you're actively taking a step back. And so if you have a group like this defensive tackle group right now, where I think that there's five guys who are all pretty darn good, uh, that's good. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a problem. So I, I think the entire defensive, yeah, interior defensive line has, is a major, major plus from a year ago, period. Like, that's a, that's a group, that's a position that has been transformed. All right, he took Sonny. Are you just going to talk about CJ again, or...? I'm not actually. I was I was actually checking the roster to see what Dallin Hayden's listed weight was. It's still it's still 205, but I think he's he's bigger than that. I know he he put some weight on after the season in the winter leading up to the spring because he felt like he needed that to be more of an every down kind of player in the Big Ten. He looks like he's done even more to his body now, and like his burst I think is noticeably different. And, and maybe we said that in the spring. I can't remember, but there was a play we were watching. They were doing like a team run period, and it's not tackling obviously, but. The way he got to the corner, planted, and then got vertical and like kind of found a seam in the defense, I just don't remember seeing. He did it last year, but this was like a bang-bang, like much quicker than he did it at any point during last season. And like I don't know what that's going to look like with the Tremont Henderson and Maya Williams and Dallin Hayden, but I like and it's one day I'm probably making too much out of it, but I think they have three guys who look like they could be fairly explosive running backs. And then you have Chip and Evan Pryor, who both proved uh, multiple times on Friday, like they're out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Those are weapons. Yeah. And, and, you just, as we said, like, how do you find a way to get all these guys in the field? How do you find a way? 
Like one position where that's not a problem is corner. Like you have your set three, I think, with with Jordan Hancock, Denzel Burke, and, and um, Davison Igbenosin. I want to talk about Igbenosin from a physical standpoint because he, I said it on Thursday, like it's just like Jeff Okuda out there. You look at him, you're like, okay, Okuda's back. But the one I want to talk about is Denzel Burke, and it's he. I don't think physically he's altered that much about himself from a year ago to now. But we saw him in here getting extra reps on, on Thursday afternoon, which was not something we've seen from him in his first two years. I asked both quarterbacks I saw walking off the field on Thursday, like who is the one defensive player that is giving you the most trouble? And they both said Denzel Burke. And like something's happened to him that uh, is really, really important for the Ohio State defense. And I think that it should be commented on a little bit more than it has been because people hold last year against him pretty strongly i think because he was inconsistent because he was hurt a lot but that that guy that light is on and uh i think that you're looking at a player who who's going to make a big big impact i think he saw his career flash before his eyes like though it was always going to be really easy for him and then he realized oh this could this could go sideways in a hurry a because of injury b a couple bad plays and everything the opinions turn against you completely the work ethic i think is we talked about it in the off season he was a name that i heard over and over and over had the very good spring you can you can tell talking to him we did that over the summer a couple of times and had him on the podcast uh, with a conversation a few weeks ago you can tell it's different and we've never seen any cornerback get on the monarch machine with marvin harrison until that happened on thursday so you know you still have to make it through a training camp which was uh, the issue scrimmage number one was where the issues started piling up for denzel burke he got run over the shoulder was hurt and then things compounded from there so it's not like the process is done, but I do yeah. think he understands that much better now than he did a year ago. If he does, like yeah. it, that is one of those guys that is the linchpin of the defense. And if that changes, then the people who are wanting to see massive changes from the Jim Knowles system will see it because it's not necessarily about the system getting tweaked for year two. It's mm-hmm. about the players understanding it and being healthy enough to run it. Yeah, Jim Knowles talked about that on Thursday too, especially with the corners. Like, I think he, I think he phrased it as saying, and I guess it's simple, but if you eliminate those outside threats, then take everyone else to sort of the interior of the defense. You kind of do whatever you want. Last year, they just weren't good enough at doing that in, in some key moments and it bit them. But yeah, that, that corner group looks really good. And when you throw in like uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt and Jermaine Matthews, even like Ryan Turner, I thought he was playing some nickel too, but I thought Ryan Turner looked like he's made some physical progress as well. It's a group that you look at as a whole, I think you feel really good about it. I'm going to steal from Bill's playbook and talk about the offensive line. Do it. If you remove Donovan Jackson from the equation, who is the most imposing member of that group? I think it's Tegra Shabola. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. Something, I I haven't talked to him. We didn't, Berm, we didn't talk to him at that camp. We're like, you, you haven't, you don't have to start doing all this media stuff yet. You haven't earned a starting job. Like, you can have some of this freedom for now. So, like, I didn't chat with him about the physical development or how he's changed, but he looks dramatically different from the middle of April until now. Mm-hmm. And when he walked, just walked out to the field, I was like, whoa. Yeah. That is a scary-looking guy. And, you know, there's still – you have to learn technique to play offensive line. It's not just about being big and strong. Like, uh, we know all of that is true. You know that better than anybody, Bill. Uh, I am big and strong. Big and strong and with great technique. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I didn't see enough. They don't have the pads on today to say that that means Tegra is going to push hard, claim a job. You know, I, I still think if all of us had to place a bet, it would be 
on someone with starting experience before, like uh, Josh Simmons. But man, if you were just putting them out there and you said, pick the one that can play tackle, yeah, that would be the guy I pointed to. Six six three twenty two. And it's a good-looking 322. It is. And Considering when he got here, he was like 345. Yeah, and I and I my my thing with him is like, can you can you get down enough that you have the the foot speed to play tackle at this level? And if he keeps making the progress he's making, I think he will. Huh. Yeah. Um, Julian Fleming, to mm. me, had a good day. Had a really nice day on, on Thursday. He looks noticeably slimmer than he did a year ago to me. We, we were talking in Jess like, is it <laughs> is it great to have a wide receiver be one of the heaviest lifters on the team, like the yeah. the Iron Buckeyes? Like you you appreciate the work ethic, but like at the same time, Julian had traps that were like <laughs> coming up to his ear holes in his helmet. So like, which doesn't seem ideal for someone who also has shoulder problems. Yeah. So like, he looked. <laughs> slimmer and faster to me on Thursday than he has at any point in his career. And I think it's important to remind people that this was a player who was the number one player in the country Hmm. coming out of high school because he's a freak of an athlete. (laughs) Yeah. Not because he was a great wide receiver. It's because he was six foot two and 200 pounds and could run a four, three, eight and do all and and because he is big and strong and like, but he's learned, I think how to be a wide receiver finally. And like, Maybe it looks a little different than you d- had it in your mind. And mm-hmm. if if he's able to stay healthy, again, that's sort of like the big asterisk on everyone that we're mentioning here. A lot of these guys, like if he can stay healthy, mm-hmm. like Julian Fleming can be a legitimate impact player in this offense that people are not going to talk about never enough because of Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka. But like if you throw him in there and he's that weapon, that third weapon, and you, that allows you to keep Emeka in the slot or to move Marvin to the slot, like. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've got that real possibility of what Brian Hartline's hinted at for the last eight months. Like, he's expecting to have three first-round pick wide receivers after the season. Yeah. And if if that version of Julian Fleming we saw on Thursday is the one we get all year, I I, I could see it. Speaking of freaks, Marvin in the slot is <laughs> like not just a spring experimentation. I don't feel like he was doing some of it on Thursday. I, like not exclusively, like he was in the spring, but get him I closer th- to the football. Yeah, I think it is a real thing for him. How punt returning is not. Punt, well, he was back he there. Was back there. <laughs> Lorenzo Styles was back there as yeah. well. Bill, how much do you think that he would be in the slot? What's ideal? I think he was only there like uh, like 13% of the time or something like that last year. Probably closer to like 20 or 25 maybe. It's just, it's matchups, right? And it'll probably be opponent dependent because there are going to be some teams that they can throw as many bodies as they want at Marvin. It won't matter. Sure. Um but I think you'll see an uptick, and I think you'll see an uptick too in moving to Mecca outside. I think I think it's they have an eye on the future when they do that stuff, and both those guys want to show their well-rounded receivers. I don't think it's a hindrance to the offense to move them around. Um, so I think you'll see a little bit more for Mecca outside and a little bit more for Marvin on the inside, but like nothing. It's not going to like flip, and Marvin's going to be slot all the time. Do you think we'll actually see jet sweeps because they ran? They ran a couple today or Thursday. 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 And, uh, Thursday. Austin was noticeably like. Uh, like his face was a glow. He's like, oh, they're running these for me. Yeah. Thinking about it right now. It was <laughs> like, it was hot. You have to find a way to get these guys to football, right? Like, you know what they were doing? They were doing the turn and hand it off, though. They're not getting those cheapy completions. Well, well we're going to have to fix We're going to go one step at a okay. time. We're going to start with the jet sweep and then the pop pass. Then the pop pass. Okay. And then we profit. That's right. Uh, freaky plays, <laughs> pop pass, jet sweeps. You just do it. Free advice, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, whoever wants to call the plays. 
I'll go in there and do it. If if I just going to be the designated pot pass guy, I'll come mm-hmm. in like, hey, it's a pot pass on two. <laughs> and it'll work, I promise you. Uh, thanks for joining us to start uh, Freaky Friday on the podcast daily. Uh, Buckeyes will practice later on this morning. Uh, that 500 fans will be in the building for that. The media will not, so there, we won't have any snappy jays coming from that. But we'll be back in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Saturday to talk to Tony Alford and the running backs. So look for that coverage as training camp rolls along at Ohio State. Uh, for Bill and Berm, I am Austin. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you later.